Good morning. It's really great to be back with you today. Thanks for your prayers and kindness during my health crisis. It really came upon us quite suddenly. We decided that we were going to go up to Auckland for a weekend off. And on the Saturday morning, I went for a walk with my daughter. We walked for about an hour and a quarter, and then we walked back up the hill to Parnell. And I was a little short of breath um, when I got, got back to her place, but I also was feeling quite cold. I, I started shivering and, and shaking. Helen and Becky, our daughter, went off to the French markets in Parnell and on their way back, Helen called into a pharmacy and said, look, my husband isn't well. Uh, I think he's dehydrated. Can you give me some electrolytes? And the, the pharmacist said, look, can you describe his symptoms to me? And he said, look, uh, I think you need to get him to the hospital. So Helen came back and um, she said, hey, uh, Marty, you need to go uh, to the hospital. And so um, we hopped in our daughter's car, but I started feeling a little nauseous. And so we rang an ambulance. And in the ambulance, they sort of hook you up to a few lines. They ma mo monitor your blood pressure and your heart rate and that sort of thing. And uh, I also had a swelling in my face. But when we got to uh, A&E in Auckland, um, they said, look, don't worry about his face. Um, get him to the resuscitation room. I think he has a problem with his heart. So we got into this uh, resuscitation room and my blood pressure was falling. And they decided to put a line into my jugular vein so that they could pump in adrenaline and other chemicals to uh, inflate my blood pressure. And not long after that, I ended up in, in ICU. It was amazing that uh, I was in Auckland at the time that this happened because if, it, if I had been in Azerbaijan, I probably wouldn't have survived. They gave me a whole lot of other tests and realised that the main artery to the left-hand side of the heart was 90% blocked. And so I had open-heart surgery and uh, it was given a triple bypass. None of us really knows what lies ahead in this journey called life. When I was a teacher at Rotorua Boys High, Jim Wishart, who was my head of department, had a stroke at age 53. I thought he was quite old at the time. It's amazing how time passes. And he was off work for about six months, but when he returned back to school, he wasn't quite the same person he was. He uh, was hesitant in his speech and had memory blanks. And some of the students were fairly hard on him, and that put him under stress. And it wasn't long before he had a second stroke, and he died. I'd like to look at Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23. It says, Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom, or the strong man boast of his strength. I guess we could also add health here. Sometimes we think that we're very healthy and we can boast about how healthy we are. Or the rich man boasts of his riches, but let him who boasts boast about this, that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For in these 
I delight. Look also at Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 11. I have observed something else in this world of ours. The fastest runner doesn't always win the race. The strongest warrior doesn't always win the battle. The wise are often poor. The skillful are not necessarily wealthy. Those who are educated don't always lead successful lives. It is all decided by chance, by being at the right place at the right time. We can never predict when hard times might come. Like fish in a net or birds in a snare, people are often caught up in sudden tragedy. In Matthew 5 verse 45, it says, He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And in James 4 verse 14, How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It is here a little while, and then it is gone. It's very comforting to know that we have a loving God who walks with us and lovingly cares for us. He has promised that all things work together for good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. Being hospitalised gives a lot of time to think about the meaning and purpose of life. Two psalms stood out to me during my illness and recuperation. The first was the 23rd psalm. And in the opening verses it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. You know, a sheep will not lie down if it's hungry, or if it feels anxious and unsafe. Sometimes our loving Lord, our shepherd, intervenes and makes us rest in a place where we feel safe and can receive life-giving nourishment. We really appreciated having three weeks at Pukahina Beach where we were able to rest and recuperate without being exposed to the stresses of life. Also, Psalm 103 verses 1 to 6. Here, David lists the benefits of knowing God. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. And then he lists seven different benefits. The first, who forgives all my sins. The second, and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. I realize that all of these benefits are important, but the first and the third are most important. Because a relationship with God brings us eternal life. This is more than just healing for the time that we are on the planet. Sharing God's love and forgiveness is our primary mission and purpose in life. And this church does this 
very well in so many ways. Opposite me in the coronary care ward was a man called Peter. He was a farmer who lived on his own. He believed that his death would be the same as the animals on his farm, that one day someone would find his bo body at the bottom of a gully. He would move from consciousness to nothingness. I asked him if I could share with him what I believe happens at death, how that God is a creative mastermind, that we're not like the animals, where we're limited to instinct. We have intelligence, reasoning, conscience. We have a soul. And the good shepherd would leave the 99 to find one lost sheep. Peter said that that's what he would do on his farm, that if one of his animals was miss missing, he would go out looking for it. We have been made for an eternal relationship with God. We are not the result of a random collision in space. In Exodus chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, God revealed his character to Moses. This is the first time in the Bible where God fully describes his character. God passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. Sometimes we can misunderstand what God is really like. We may see him as an, an angry being who's easily upset and ready to pounce on any mistake we may make. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 tells us that we love him because he first loved us. We can only fully love him when we understand how much he loves us, when we realize how much Jesus suffered to take the punishment that we deserved so that our relationship with God could be restored. Do you fear death? 2 Corinthians 5 verse 8 tells us that for the believer to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And we can take great comfort in that. And th throughout my health crisis, I had no fear of death. And I knew that if anything happened, that I would leave this life to be in the presence of God. But deep down, I knew that I was, was going to survive. I really believe that God has a lot more for me to do while I'm here on earth. Our human bodies function best when all the parts are healthy. And it's the same with the church. In 1 Corinthians 12 verse 17 it says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you are a part of it. We all have different skills and gifts. And as we use our gifts to serve God in this place, the body is completed and God can do an amazing work amongst us. Today we are electing new elders. I've really enjoyed working with our eldership team over the past year. We have had robust discussions. 
yet are in agreement when key decisions need to be made. You know, all believers have the Holy Spirit in them. In Romans 8, it says the children of God are led by the Spirit of God. And so if we can tune in to what the Spirit of God is saying on a particular issue, we will have guidance as to what decision should be made at any time. We will miss Paul, Josie and Karen from our leadership team. But it's great to have such capable candidates stepping up to replace them and to serve this church in that way. In Psalm 133, it describes what happened when Aaron was anointed as high priest. Let me read it to you. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, down upon the collar of his robes. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. There is incredible power in unity, the power of being one in body and in spirit. Aaron's anointing oil was made up of many ingredients, and this is an analogy of the body of Christ. Unity is like this precious oil. We are all important ingredients. We have different gifts that combine to produce something special, something beautiful. The complete body is greater than the sum of the individual parts. We cannot do it on our own. We function best together as our qualities are fitted together and come alive. This psalm speaks of dwelling together in unity, of long-term relationships, of people working together. Western society promotes individualism and selfishness. Today, if people are uncomfortable or upset, they say, I'm out of here. It can happen among friends and family, in the workplace, in marriage, and even in churches. When we're hurt, we can turn against others and try to hurt them as well. This can leave unresolved issues and lingering resentment. These same issues will come around again and again. The oil was poured on Aaron's head, and then it flowed down his whole body. Christ is the head of the church. The oil of anointing flows down through the spirit-filled leaders who are the head of the body in many ways, who exercise leadership. And then it flows down onto the rest of the body. If the leadership is not unified, the body will not be unified either. The same takes place in a family, if mum and dad aren't getting on with each other and in unity and in agreement, you cannot have a united family. And so our prayer today is that we appoint leaders who are unified and able to discern God's will for the vision, purpose and future direction of this church. We're going to move into our annual general meeting now. We will elect our new elders and have a few brief reports. Let's pray.